You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. Good to see you guys. And happy Father's Day to all the dads in the room. Can we give a round of applause uh, for all the dads? Pat them on the back if you're next to them. Excited to celebrate today with you guys. I, I believe if we have strong and faithful fathers, we'll have a strong and faithful church. And uh, I'm excited to continue our sermon series going through the Sermon on the Mount. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Matthew chapter 6. We'll be in verses 19 and following uh, today. Over the last several weeks, we've been in this series and we're looking at what it really means and what it really looks like to follow Jesus. And so this is really Christianity 101. It's really the basics of what it means uh, to be a follower of Jesus. And so I want to start today with a little crowd participation, please, if you guys can just kind of hang with me here. How many of you would say, if you would be honest and just kind of raise your hand and say, I, you know, I don't really have enough money. I could use a little bit more money. How many would just be honest with me? I say, I, I could use a little bit more and raise them up. If the guy next to you is not raising his hand, go ahead and turn to him and say, you're lying, bro. You are lying in church. Uh, yeah, I mean, almost every hand in the room was raised there. Like, yeah, we all kind of think, all right, I could use a little bit uh, more money. Uh, Dave Ramsey, the great teacher on money, says money is fun if you got some. Money's fun if you got some. Hey, tell your neighbor that, by the way. Hey, money's fun if you got some. Go ahead and tell them. Loosen up a little bit today. Have a little fun. Now go back to him and say, problem is I ain't got none. Problem is I ain't got none. Yeah. You know, this is uh, one of the issues I think that we kind of face here in America and want to talk a little bit about what Jesus says uh, in this regards. A couple weeks ago, I was at our student camp called Coastal, and so our middle school and high schoolers uh, were there. And man, it was just, we've got a great group of students, by the way. These, these high school kids, these, these uh, middle schoolers are just amazing. And yeah, you can give them a round of applause and was really impressed with them. And um, love Pastor Lane and Pastor Alex are doing a phenomenal job in their team. It was just a great camp all the way around. And so I was there, uh, taught a little bit, and uh, was participating in some of the games and stuff that they were having. And one day I walked over, wasn't planning on doing this, but walked over and my daughter Bailey was like, Dad, can you please play in this game? Please play in this game. I'm like, oh, what is it? She was like, it's really easy. All you got to do is you got to get the ball across the goal. And I'm like, get the ball across the goal? Okay, well, I can do that. Well, issue is it was about a 12-foot, you know, ball that is extremely heavy. And it's not like soccer. It's like rugby with this big red ball because everybody is like, Hunk, and like pushing it across. And, and uh, it, was, it was fun, but I broke my toe and uh, I popped a hammy. And the worst part about it is I hurt my shoulder. So that night, I am like desperately, you know, writhing in pain. It was, it was really painful. I, like, I couldn't even raise my hand above my head. And, and really for the last three weeks, I've been in pain. And, and so I was telling Pastor Landon when I got back, I was like, man, this is, the, the, my shoulder is killing me. And he was like, well, from, from one, I was like, what was that game with that big red ball? And he was, oh, you mean PTSD? And I was like, what does that stand for? And he says, it stands for pretty terrible shoulder destroyer. <laughs> Look, I'm 42. I can't be playing games like that. <laughs> I got to watch out for myself here. You know what I'm saying? And, and so I, I kind of had that had I known moment. 
Like, had I known that was the name of the game, I probably would not have played that game. And, and probably there are many moments in your life that you have probably, you know, said the same thing. You're, you're like, you know what? Had I known that girl was a psycho, I would have never dated her, right? You probably would have said that. <laughs> had I known my husband was going to be a jerk, I never would have married him, Right? Um, had I known that I wouldn't be able to buy a house because of my student loans 10 years after college, I never would have, you know, got those student loans or I never would have filled out the application for the discover card. Had I known that it was going to charge me 20% and, and uh, I was going to cause so many problems in my marriage today. Right. I mean, we all kind of have those, if only I had known type moments and I think when it comes to money specifically, we have a lot of those moments. How many of you would just be honest and say, I've done some stupid things with money? Anybody just would I've done some dumb, my hand is up. Um, Dave Ramsey always talks about how he's done, you know, he's made um, bad decisions with a lot of zeros on it. And his point is, he's made some really bad decisions and it's cost them a lot. And, and, and yeah, we've all kind of had those moments and we've all kind of you know, made those mistakes in, in our journey. And so what I really want you to do, though, is not allow that to fill you with guilt today. Like, I don't want to say, okay, I've had, if only I had known, a lot of times leads to guilt and reminders of the, the, the financial pressures that we have in our life. And I don't want that to be the case today. Instead of saying, you know what, and instead of saying, had I known, what I want us to start saying today is, now that I know, I want to live differently had I known, you know, and going down that path usually leads to a lot of guilt, and it, we blame a lot of people and, and, and circumstances, and what we need to say is, okay, now that, you know, I know, I, I want to live my life differently. I can promise you this today. I, I'm, I would say that I will never play that PTSD game again. Like, I'm never going to do that again. Um, but, I mean, if I'm at the beach again, and my daughter comes up and says, hey, dad, can you play? And the pressure's there, and I'm a competitive guy, and like, you know, I want to play. Chances are, I'm, I'm going to be back out there, and I'm going to hurt myself again. Why? Because in a lot of ways, we just make the same dumb mistakes over and over and over again. When it comes to our finances, we hear all these financial, you know, rules and, and strategic ways to, you know, build wealth or how to, how to, you know, be wise with our money. But how many of us actually follow through and do it? And we can make several mistakes financially and we just find ourselves going over and over and doing the same thing. Uh, if you were watching the NBA playoffs this past week, like I was, Kevin Durant, game five comes back to play. He had missed several weeks because he hurt his calf muscle, but he decided, you know what, the team needs me, I want to play, so he steps out onto the court in the first half of the game, he ends up rupturing Achilles tendon, and now he's out for like 12, 13, 14 months, however long. Why? Well, because he wanted to help, he, he, he was a, he's a competitor, and so he wanted to get out there. Listen, I do the same thing, and, and, and you've done the same thing if you're a competitive person. But when it comes to money, if we continually make these mistakes over and over again, what we're doing is we're, we're actually hindering our spiritual growth. We're actually not only hindering our spiritual growth, but in fact, you and I won't be able to see clearly the will and purpose that God has for our life. The reason why we buy things that we can't really afford or maybe you can afford them, but you're buying a lot of things that you don't really need. 
If you'll be honest today, perhaps it's because you are infatuated with material possessions. You're infatuated with the way that it makes you feel. You're infatuated with the idea that you think it makes you feel special or important or people look at you or, you know, you're, you're, you're giving this perception that you are successful and you're kind of addicted to that feeling and that feeling of specialness. But we all know that that feeling of being special because we have a new pair of shoes, you've got a new outfit on, uh, you know, whatever it is, really quickly fades, you know? It's like we, we buy the new shoes and someone says, hey man, love those new shoes. And you're like, yeah, just got them. You know, you know what I'm saying? Feels good, right? And some of us are addicted to that feeling. But you know what? Six months later, those shoes are in your closet and you can't even find them. You know, and the same thing happens on any material possession you want to throw out there today. We could say the same thing. But thankfully... The Bible speaks to this. Thankfully, Jesus is going to give us some help today because we need help, right? We, we need to overcome this. We need to see clearly today. And that's exactly what I want to show you in Matthew chapter 6 because today I want to talk about how to overcome a, a heart that is so connected and driven by materialism that we can't even see clearly today. So if you've got your Bibles, let's look at verse 19. It'll be here on the screen as I read. Jesus says this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. What Jesus is teaching us here is is you don't have to have a had I known moment because he's clearly telling us how to deal with Uh, our our resources and our material possessions, how to think about them, how to manage them, what to do with them. And and so we don't have to go, had I known, I wouldn't have done that. He's like, no, right here. I'm telling you exactly how to do it and what it will actually look like. He says, when you buy something, it is not going to last. So think about it though. When, When you decide to go out and buy something, I mean, that's one of the questions you actually think about, isn't it? Like, you buy a car and you don't want it to break down year one or two. You want it to be, you know, with you for a while. When you buy a house, you don't want the roof to cave in, you know, soon. You want to be in that house 30, 40, however long years. Um, we were in the market for a new oven. Love to buy new ovens, by the way, don't you? Gosh, I hate it. But ours wasn't working right, so we decided to get one. And so there's like a million to choose from. You know, well, how do you pick one? There's, you know, what brand do you want? You've got, you know, you want stainless steel. You want, you know, black. What color do you want? Do you want a double oven? Do you want electric? Do you want gas? You know, what, what do you want? You know, and so when you're, when you're looking at this, if you're like me, you're looking at the reviews as well. And so you're reading these reviews of what people are saying, because at the end of the day, once you figure out gas, electric, what color, you're, you want to know, is this thing going to last? I mean, it makes sense. Like, we don't buy something, you know, when it comes to a car or an appliance or a car or a house, and, unless we think it's going 
to last. So here's what Jesus is actually teaching us here. It makes sense to us in this realm. He's saying, make sure you invest your money into things that will last forever. Just like if you're going to buy an oven, you want to buy something that you believe is going to last for a long time. He's saying everything as it relates to your resources and your material possessions. He says, I want you to invest that money into things that will last forever. Now the question is, what's going to last forever? What's going to last forever? The reality is at the end of the day, the only thing that's going to last forever are people. Because every single person in this room and every single person on this planet will live forever somewhere. It will either be in heaven or it will be in hell, but we will all live forever somewhere. This life is not all. There, was, there is. There is an afterlife. Now, some of you live as if this is the only life that we have. This is the only life you're living for, and you think that you're a Christian, but at the end of the day, you're living your life as an atheist or an agnostic who would say, like, after we die, we cease to exist, and, and here's the deal. Like, like, some of you would say, no, 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 Trent, I believe there's a heaven. I believe that, you know, my grandmama's in heaven or whoever's in heaven, and I believe God's in heaven. But to the end of the day, like, we don't live as if there is a heaven because so many of us aren't investing into the things that last forever. We're only investing into the things that, that build our kingdom. So why does Jesus have to tell us this? Well, there's a couple reasons. I want to show them to you. The first reason that he would tell us this is because we're tempted to treasure material things. You and I are tempted to treasure material things. Like that is the most important thing to us. And we, we, we run after it and we spend so much time trying to build wealth and we spend so much time trying to entertain ourselves and we spend so much time trying to build our bank account. Maybe you like nice things and, and so you, you, know, you like the nice car, you like the cl- nice clothes or jewelry or whatever, but, but, but liking something like that is, is different from actually being you know, addicted to or loving the feeling that you need to have something. You need to have that new outfit, or you need to have that house in order to be happy or to feel happy or to feel significant or to feel special. And so we, we begin to live our life in this way that, that I've got to get the next whatever, because if I don't get that, I, I, I don't feel like God loves me or anyone loves me, or I don't feel appreciated, or I don't feel anything inside. And so we become addicted to that feeling that material possessions provide for us. And Jesus is saying, you're going to be tempted to treasure that feeling. You're going to be tempted to treasure those material things. And the key for Jesus here is not that there's anything wrong with the new car or the house or whatever. The key is, do you treasure it more than you treasure the kingdom of God? Period. That's the issue that you have to wrestle with. Some of you don't like talking about money in church and you hate me for having this message today or whatever. Here's the reality. You have to wrestle with this issue. If you want to discover your purpose, if you want to be connected to Jesus, if you want to live a life of significance, this is a question that you're going to have to wrestle with, and you're going to avoid it as long as you're not around the Word of God and around God's people. You don't have to think about it. You can just run the rat race like everybody else is doing. But man, I'm, I'm glad we're here to where we can really ask the difficult questions of life, the questions that are, that are really going to connect you to God. And that's really, truly going to bless your family. You know, the best way to really reveal what you treasure most is to look at your bank account. Look at your bank statement. Some of you are like, 
Sharon, I never look at my bank statement. <laughs> All I basically do is look at the app. If I got money in there, I keep going. If I don't, then I stop, right? But if you actually did the wise thing and you actually went and you looked at where your money is going, you're probably going to see, okay, here's my house or my rent payment, right? That's a significant portion of it. We're going to see, you know, the car payments and the insurance. We're, we're going to see the visa payments, the Discover card payments, right? We're going to see the entertainment, the movies and the pools and the vacations and the everything else that we're doing, right? Netflix bills, all this kind of stuff. And we're going to truly see, like, okay, well, these are the things that I really treasure. I spent, you know, this percentage of money on my kids this, this month. Okay, I treasure my kids, right? And that feels noble, right? This, this is what I've spent on my house. This is what I... So, so we want to do that work so that we can dial in, okay, what do I really treasure? Because at the end of the day, everybody here at church, we're all, you know, we all say we're Christians and we treasure Jesus, Really? I mean, it's really easy to find out if you do the work. So my, my question would be, on that list, as you're dialing in on where your money is going, where is Foothills Church? Where's the kingdom of God in that statement? And that's what we really want to wrestle with, because if it's not there, and if it's inconsistent, or if it's not a percentage, then Jesus would say you're investing in the wrong things. You're focused on the wrong things. You have been tempted and you've fallen for the reality that now you treasure material things. Secondly, we're tempted to serve money. We're tempted to serve money. Jesus knows that we're tempted to serve money. And that's why he says, listen, you cannot serve money and God. Either you're going to hate one and love the other or vice versa. You can't do both. Now, see, here's the lie that many of us believe. Many of us believe that we can serve money and we can buy all these things and have all these payments and still come in here on Sunday and pretend that we serve Jesus. That's the, that's the false mentality that some of us live by. Oh, no, I love Jesus. I'm going to heaven. Love God. But, but you spend all of your energy and time serving your money. He didn't say, you know, it's really difficult to serve money in God. He didn't say, hey, you can only do it for a little time. There's only been one or two people in the world that, is, that have been able to do it. He says, you cannot, 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 cannot. There's no possible way for you to serve God and serve money. There's no way. It's impossible. So when we think about this and, and as we begin to really dial in, I think it's interesting that Jesus would actually say this. He could have inserted any word into that. You know, you can't serve God and popularity. You can't serve God and your sexual desires. I mean, it could have been a, a hundred million different things, but he chose money. Why would he choose money? And I'm, I'm guessing the reason why Jesus chooses money here is that he knew that for many of us, many of us in the room today, money and possessions would be the number one competitor for our hearts. It's the number one competitor. We're constantly dealing with it. We're constantly fighting it, especially in our culture. I mean, you can't go on to Instagram, at least I can't, without seeing Nike shoes. Why? Because that's my weakness. <laughs> and Instagram knows it. And that's why that same stinking pair of shoes comes up every day. And I'm like, dang it, I really want those shoes, right? I need those shoes. And, and so the, the, the ads that are constantly in our feed and the billboards and the commercials and the magazines, and it's everywhere. And uh, so we're tempted to serve money. But I know, at least my, my reaction, if somebody were to say that to me was, I don't serve money. So you're probably sitting there and saying, I, I, don't, I don't serve money. I would never serve money. 
And, and, and I would just have to argue with you, and I would say, well, if you've ever bought something that you didn't really need, with money you didn't really have, to please people you didn't really know, most likely you're serving money. You're falling for the lies that it's going to make you feel a certain way, and it's going to project an image to other people that's going to you know, give you some kind of status we're under the powers, we're under the false promises that those things are going to make us feel important or special and happy. That's why we would say, that new piece of furniture, I've got to have that new piece of furniture. I've got to have it. It's perfect. It fits. It's leather. It smells great. We got to have it. I know we can't afford it, but we got to have it. It's a deal. 0% financing for 12 months. 12 months, we don't have to pay for it. So you go for it. And then, you know, fast forward a year and a half later, your dogs peed on it, your kids throw up on it. You're still paying for it, but you don't care about it. See, that's the addiction, and that's the, that's the false assumptions of what material things can give us. Some of us are serving money today. I would argue that if you've ever saved up money, and you've got this nest egg, and you love seeing those zeros add up, and, and the more you save, and the more you look at that savings account, makes you feel good. It's like, man, yeah, this, this is what we have. Rainy day, we got it. Look at how much we've got, and, and you begin to hoard that money, and you're like, I'm not giving it to anybody. I'm not, definitely not giving it to God, definitely not giving a percentage. This is my money. This is my stack. This is mine. I would say if that's you, then I would argue that you are serving money. I would argue you are under the false promises that that savings account is going to bring you peace and happiness, and it's going to ultimately mean that you are successful. See, if you've ever compromised your family, if you've ever neglected your family in pursuit of climbing the ladder of success, then I would say you're serving money. This is, this is what it looks like. If you've ever, if ever, you know, when your kids are, you're, you're, you're busy chasing after the next uh, dollar, you're busy chasing the next deal, your kids are chasing you. Why? Because they just want to be with you. And we have this lie that I want to give my kids a life that I never had. And so on that foundational lie that says that, okay, I'm going to give them something that I didn't have, assuming that what I didn't have would have made me happier. And so we try to give this to our kids, but at the end of the day, they don't care about that stuff. They just want to be with you. They just want to know you. They just want to be influenced, and, and, and they want to see a dad who loves Jesus. That's really what they need. They, want to, they need to see a leader who loves Jesus. doesn't matter what toys and cars and education and all that kind of stuff you provide. At the end of the day, on Father's Day, I promise you they're not thinking about the toy you bought them last year. They don't care about how much gas money you've given them. They don't care about the college degree that you helped them get. Speaking from experience, like that's not a big deal. What is a big deal is that dad was there when I needed him. And I saw dad serve Jesus and love Jesus. Because now I, I saw an image of what my heavenly father is. I, I, I see what unconditional love is. And so now I can, I can begin to process that kind of love from, from a heavenly perspective because I saw it in my dad. And I saw the generosity of, of, of my dad, which helped me today know that, okay, well, my heavenly father, my, my earthly father is that generous. generous. My heavenly father, whew, way more generous. Now I get it. See, you... You're beginning to help your kids understand and know who God is by loving Jesus and leading them in that spiritual way. Here's what 1 Timothy 6.10 says. You've heard this before. 
For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. You know this, right? Money isn't evil. Money's neutral. Money's money. It's neutral. It's not good. It's not bad. If you're rich, great. It's not bad to be rich. Not bad to be poor. It's, It's neutral. But the love of money is the issue. Now, if I were to ask you, do you love money? Everybody would say, Mm-mm, I don't love money. <laughs> Why? Because we know this verse. Like we're Christians. We're not going to say we love money because look, it's the root of all kinds of evil. It brings evil into your relationships. It brings evil into your family. It brings evil desires and motives and all kinds of destructive behaviors because of this love. So we would say, nope, don't love money. Now, think for a second. At the beginning of the message, I asked you, everybody, I said, raise your hand. If you think you could use a little bit more money, how many of you would say that a little bit more? Remember that? Everybody shake your heads if you remember that. Everybody, everybody raise their hands. You know, we, so here's what the Bible says. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Hmm. I don't love money. Well, wait a minute. Whoever loves money never has enough. So if we're saying, I don't have enough, I need a little bit more, the word of God is telling us that, well, you love money. Whisper to the guy next to you, he got me on that one. He got me. He definitely got me. And then look back at the other person and say, well, he got you too. He got you too. Don't laugh, right? You see, that's, that's kind of where we're at, isn't it? Here's the reality. The reality is a, a lot of us are under the power of money. We don't even know it. We're living our lives and we don't even know we're under the power of money and material things. But, but here, I think, is the point of this passage. What Jesus is, Jesus is trying to tell us is don't serve money. Let your money serve God. Don't serve money. Don't love money. Don't run after money. Let whatever money God has given to you serve him. Serve him alone. Verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. He doesn't say, don't store up, you know, a little bit. He doesn't say it's okay to have this. He says, don't store up anything on this earth. Don't store up anything in this time. Why? Because this is not the only time that we're living for. We are living for and should be focused on eternity. In other words, treasure eternity, treasure Jesus more than you treasure nice things here because that's ultimately what matters. When we are investing in eternity, we are investing in people. We are assisting and helping ministries connect people to the gospel, people come to know Jesus, marriages, lives, kids are transformed. He says that's what's eternal. Invest in that. Now, why does he have to tell us to do this? Well, I think it's pretty clear. Material possessions can control your heart. He has to tell us this, and we read it elsewhere in the New Testament, because possessions really can control your heart. Now think about your heart for a second. Your heart is, is, is the driver's seat of your life. Your heart, it steers your actions, it steers your time, it steers your money, it steers your desires. Your life is moving towards the things that your heart adores and loves. 
So as my heart loves something, my life, my time, my energy, everything runs after whatever my heart adores, whatever my heart loves. So what's in my heart? Well, here's what scripture teaches us about our heart. Jesus says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. So if you want to know what's in your heart, you notice what's coming out of your mouth. So if what's coming out of your mouth is love for God, worship of God, if what's coming out of your mouth is you know, sharing the gospel, if what's coming out of your mouth, lifting up the name of Jesus and lifting up others and encouraging others, then, then you could be able to say, okay, well, you're treasuring in your heart. You're talking about the things of the Lord. You're talking about the things of God. So inside your heart, it must you know, well up and you, you, you are focusing in on the things of God. But flip side, if out of your mouth, you're saying things like, I need a raise, I need more money. They're just, they, they think they're all that because they, they, they make more money. If, you're, if, if those jealousy, envious words and statements and negative statements are coming out of your mouth, chances are your heart is running after the things of the world and the material possessions of the world. And so again, we dive in. Okay, why is he telling us this? Well, because we're tempted to treasure these material things. And they control our heart. And when it controls your heart, it steers your future. It steers your life. You ended up choosing somebody to marry because of how much money they make, not because they're spiritual or not because they love Jesus. You end up going to, to this job because it pays you more. Right? Nobody ever goes to a job that pays less. <laughs> Do you know anybody that's done that? Like, I really feel like God is calling me here. He wants me to make 20000 less, so yeah, I feel... No, God always seems to be calling us to go to jobs that make more money. <laughs> really? In the days of Jesus in the first century, the Jews would have had really three ideas of what a wealthy person was or what they had. And they made the same mistake that many of us make today which is they thought that, okay, if a person has a lot of material possessions then, and, and they are wealthy, that means that, that God uh, thinks that they are spiritual, that God, God's hand is on them, that they are blessed of God, you know. And that, that same wrong thinking is, is in the world today. It's all over TV uh, by a lot of popular teacher, teachers that say, okay, if you love God enough, if you pray hard enough, if you claim it, if you believe in it, if you have enough faith, then God is going to give you a new car. God is going to give you the promotion. This is your year of favor and everything good and blessing and wonderful and material God is going to give to you if you are spiritual enough. That is a lie. That is not the gospel. Please stop listening to the men and women that are teaching that. It is blurring your vision of who God is. It's corrupting your heart. It's not who God is. I know a lot of people who are extremely poor, but they are lovers of Jesus. And, you know, I know people in Haiti, in Africa, in Venezuela, they are dirt poor, but they, man, they love Jesus. They are more spiritual than anybody in this room, and they are content and happy. Just because you're faithful doesn't mean that God is going to bless you with a bunch of material things. The Bible never says that, Right? And so we've got to embrace that sometimes God is going to take you through seasons of suffering and pain because the goal is not to give you everything your heart desires and not to give you all these material things. The goal is that you would know Jesus in a deeper way and honor him and glorify him. So 
back to this reality. The Jews thought, okay, if a person had a lot of clothes, their closet was stacked with clothes, and they had these nice clothes and different colors because, you know, purple and all these kind of things were hard to come by, then they must be wealthy. And so Jesus says, hey, here's the deal. Don't trust in things that a moth can destroy. (laughs) If a moth can destroy it, don't trust in it. Don't buy into it. Don't love it. It's not going to bring ultimate happiness. It's not going to make you feel better about anything. If a moth can destroy it, wear clothes, please. Wear clothes. (laughs) But but don't go overboard, right? Um, Back in the day, like, I know my grandparents, they would put mothballs in their closet, you know, to try to keep the moths away. Like, all the millennials are like, what? What is a mothball? Why? Moths eat clothes? What is that? You know, we didn't even know that. But yeah, that's why it smelled so bad. You know, today we spend a lot of extra money on clothes that have a lot of holes in them. <laughs> my daughter came home with a pair of jeans the other day, and they were just like shredded on the front. I'm like, did you really pay for that? <laughs> like, did a lawnmower run over that? And then now it's cool. I don't, but, but back in the day, that was not the desired look. And so, okay, if a moth can destroy it, don't put your trust in it. Secondly, he says this, don't put your trust in things that rust can destroy. Cars, buildings, the word rust there literally means to eat away. And so the idea there for the wealthy person in that day would have had a lot of crops. And so you think of, okay, I got a lot of grapes, or I got a lot of whatever the produce is, but the the rust or the eating away gives us the idea that a rat, a rodent, a mice can go in there and spoil the whole batch. He says, don't trust in that. I know it looks like you've got a lot, but at any given time, it can be taken away, it can be ruined. Don't trust in things that can rust. And then thirdly, don't trust in things that can be stolen. Okay, this covers everything. Don't trust in things that can be stolen. Don't spend so much money and time getting all these things that can just be stolen from you. The, the word steal there literally means to dig through and steal. Because back in the day, in this time, your house was made out of mud. And so you didn't have to go kick the door down to steal anything. You just had to dig a hole through the wall, and then you could go in and steal whatever you wanted. And so the idea here, Jesus has given us this picture that you've got money, you've got gold, you've got treasure. You know, maybe you're like my grandmother, you have money and you put it underneath your mattress. You know, the idea is that the thief comes, he digs through the, the wall, he comes into your house, he, he disables your alarm system and your nest and whatever cameras you have, and he or she takes whatever you value, whatever treasures are in your house. He says, if it can be stolen away, pump the brakes. Don't spend so much time and energy trying to get it and trying to live for it. Instead, live for things that are eternal and invest in the things that are eternal. He's saying that all these worldly possessions, they're not going to last. All these worldly possessions that our heart is controlled by, it's not going to last. And and so the moth is going to destroy it. Rust is going to break it down. Thieves are going to steal it. And so for you and I today, this whole idea that he who has the most toy wins is a lie. Like, we do not want to get the most toys. We want to see how much we can invest into the kingdom of God because that is eternal. Most of you at some point have bought or bought a new car and so we all know, it maybe it wasn't brand new, but it was new to you. And so you get that new car, man, uh, it smells good, and your armor on, the tires, right, the dashboard, and you're keeping it clean. The kids come in, you're like, no drinks in the car, no drinks, no Skittles, no, you know, no food, right? And you're kind of keeping it pristine. And 
six months, 12 months pass, and all of a sudden you're not armor rolling the wheels anymore, and it's dusty in there and dirty, and coffee is spilled here and there, right? And, and, and over time, what you loved, now you're just like not even really concerned about it. And then somebody backs into your car and kind of hits the fender or whatever, and maybe it starts rusting, or maybe the, the paint peels off, and now you start to hate that which you were in love with three or four or five years ago. You couldn't wait to have it. You loved it. Now, you're, now you hate it. Now you give it the nickname, the Big Red Beast or Wheezy because it smokes all the time. And you just don't even want to get in the car. You're embarrassed by it because of the paint peel or whatever. I mean, that, that's the story of every single material possession we have. You know what I mean? You told your spouse, honey, I think it's time to get a new car. <laughs> Because of this vicious cycle that we all live in. And Jesus' point here is if it can be stolen, do not invest long term. You're not going to find peace. You're not going to find happiness. And so as we think about this today, as we understand that these worldly possessions just cannot fill our heart, they cannot, they will not satisfy. Jesus is saying don't serve money. Don't serve it. You can't serve money and God. Don't allow your heart to be controlled by the desires of the things that you and I possess. That feeling just will not last. And it will not bring eternal hope. It will not impact other people. It will not bring the the life and the satisfaction that you claim or think it, in fact, will. So Jesus says, don't serve money. Let your money serve God because material possessions can control your heart. Next, the second reason why he's telling us this is that possessions can control your mind. Possessions can control your mind. The place that you give the material possessions in your life affects how you think. It affects how you think. Jesus says uh, in verse 22, it's kind of like eyesight. He gives us this this, uh, illustration of eyesight. Look at it with me, verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So this idea is that the, the, this, this eye is, 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 is able to receive light, and it lights up your whole body, your whole heart. Everything is, is lit by what you see. So if your eyes are blurry, then darkness enters now my heart, my life. And, and so Jesus' point is clear. He's like, look, If your eyes are healthy and clear, your whole body's going to be full of light. If your eyes are bad, then it's going to bring darkness into your life. And so if you are focused on material possessions, your eyes are going to be blurry. You're not going to see clearly what your purpose is. You're not going to see clearly what God's will is. Why? Because they're blurred out by, by this serving of material possessions in your life. He's saying you can't have healthy eyes and live for money. You can't. You can't have healthy eyes and live for money and serve money and chase after success. If you seek material things first, then your vision is simply always going to be blurry. So it's going to control your mind. It's going to con- control how you see and perceive the world. And so as we think about it today, as we kind of close out this day, my, my question is how how are your eyes? How, how are you perceiving the world? 
every single problem you have today is a spiritual problem. Every single person in this room has struggled at times with how to deal with our wealth and our finances. And and I would encourage you today to begin to see and begin to focus on the reality that the things that are eternal are the things that need to take priority in our life financially. And we need to begin to look at our bank account and see, okay, here's where God's church is consistently, not just haphazardly, and today we need to make the commitment that would, that would lead us to prioritize God's kingdom. He says, look, invest your money. Just make sure you invest it in the right place, which is people. Did some math um, last couple of weeks and found out there's a thing that preachers kind of know, which is called per capita giving. And basically what it kind of helps you come out with is, okay, this is what... Uh, each person is basically giving every week to the church. And so you kind of, based on how many people attend and what the offering is, and, and our church uh, found out that our per capita giving is like $27 per person. So $27 per person every week. Um, the average of America is between $40 and $45. So like the average church is giving $40 per person every single week. We're at 27 So we're we're low. Now, it hasn't always been like that. In fact, a year ago, that number would have been higher. But this year, we have added a lot of people, a lot of new people. And so it's kind of skewed that. And, and so what it tells us is that there's just a lot of people who haven't taken that step to prioritize the kingdom of God and give consistently and give a proportion, right? It's just kind of, okay, here's a little bit or here's a little bit. Instead of just saying, okay, we're going to determine based on the word of God, to give 10%, and we're just going to prioritize that, and that's what we're going to give, and we're going to give it every month or every week or whatever it is. We just, we just haven't gone there. And as a pastor, like, that's one of the spiritual markers that we look at, and we say, okay, are we a healthy church? Are we getting it? Are our people growing? Are they connecting to Jesus? And we could look around and say, oh, hands raised high, people are singing, or, you know, there's more people coming. That's all well and good, but there are some more tangible things that we can look at to say, okay, are people really getting it? And that's just one of them. And so I would invite you, if you have not made that commitment to today, make that commitment. There are people in the room who, because of their giving, not just the, 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 a, a 10%, but they've given over and above consistently over the last few years that we even have this place. We're here in this room because of, because of people that have given. And um, every time we give, every time we're a part of that, it's impacting the lives of the people in this community. Just think, like we need four new staff members, but we can't hire them right now because we just don't have the resources to do that. We have a lot more ministry to do because there's more people, but we don't have enough leaders to actually navigate that ministry and, 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 and just the need that we have. We, we need to buy property and we need a, a, a parking lot. Would love to build that um, counseling center that we've talked about for so long, but I mean, we're not even close to that because like, we're, we're, we just don't have the, the giving. And it's not because, like, we don't have it. Like, we just aren't, aren't giving it. And um, so I just say that just from a pastor's heart to yours. Like, this is, this is a touchy topic, I know, and people don't like when I talk about it. But look, this is the benefit of just teaching the Bible. We've been going through Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, and Matthew chapter 7. And when you just go through the Bible and you teach it, you come across these epic teachings like this. And we're confronted with it. We've got to say, okay, what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? And, and I know that this is where you want to be. 
I know it's what you want to do. I really truly believe that. I believe there's some fear. Like if I give up, if I do this, then I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to do that. So fear is a driving force in a lot of people of making this. And I just want to, I just want to encourage you. You've got to trust God. This is what faith is. It's trusting him. It's saying, yeah, there's questions. You're never going to do anything of significance for God when everything is like in a, in a point to where there's no questions. It's just never. Read the Bible. It's never happened. Every single person called to do something is like, well, what about this? What about that? You're never going to go, oh, okay, it's all clear, God. I understand it all. It's not how it works. There's going to be a level of faith. And so I pray you overcome that fear. Overcome, maybe you're angry today because of the topic, right? So that anger is kind of producing this negative feeling. And, and look, this is between you and God. Like, I've, I just want to be faithful in what the word teaches. and want to encourage you to take steps that are going to lead you closer to Jesus. Let's, let's pray together. Father, Lord, as we, as we close out today, I know that there's fear, there's anxiety. Maybe some people just still don't even believe it. That prioritizing you in our resources, prioritizing you financially, is actually investing in the kingdom. And so I pray, God, that you would lead our people to take that step. You would lead our people to trust you. And uh, Father, I know it's it's one that brings blessing and connection, but I also know that it's a step that oftentimes is, is just neglected. And so, Lord, would you give us the grace and the peace to know that this is what you're calling us to do. And if there's anybody in here, Lord, that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray today that even through this message, they would recognize that on the cross, Jesus paid for all of our mistakes, all of our sin, and that through him we can have hope, forgiveness of, of, of sin, and, and true life in heaven one day when we leave this world. We pray that you would lead and guide us. Give us clear vision, Lord. And we know that that only is a result of prioritizing your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and worship today. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.